pray. Lord, we ask that you would take this psalm and make it the prayer of each one of us. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine. Quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. O Lord, for Christ's sake, make that happen even this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I've made this statement uh, numerous times before, and it's just as true now as the first time I made it. The gospel, if true, is of infinite importance. If false, it's of no importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. Amen? Now this psalm before us is a prayer for restored fellowship. Look in verse 3. Turn us Again, O God, you've turned us before, turn us again. Cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. He repeats that three times. Look in verse 7. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. Look in verse 14. Return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven. And behold and visit this line. Don't you want that to happen to you? Visit this line. Verse 19. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine. And we shall be saved. Now this is the desire of every believer. Turn me. Turn me. The believer can lose his sense of the joy of the Lord. You remember when David said in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. (laughs) There can be seasons of coldness, of dryness. There can be a losing of your first love. There can be a time of lukewarmness. And everybody here knows what that means. And this is the psalmist's cry that the Lord would turn me again. Turn us again. Cause thy face to shine. That's, you know, that's the priestly benediction. In Numbers chapter 6, uh, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee. Well, I want... I want the Lord's face to shine in favor toward me, toward you. Turn us again, cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Turn with me for a moment to the Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Now, when we uh, get in a barren state, you know whose fault it is? 
It's our fault, isn't it? It's all our fault when this takes place. Look in Song of Solomon, chapter 5. I am come into my garden, my sister, my spouse. I've gathered my myrrh with my spice. I've eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I've drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink, yea, drink abundantly, O beloved. This is the Lord speaking to his church. Now here's the church speaking. I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is that time when you're not quite asleep and you're not quite awake. That's what is being spoken of. It's the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. Now here is the church's reply to him saying, Open to me. I put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I've washed my feet. How shall I defile them? I'm already in bed. I'm cleaned up. I can't get up again. My beloved put his hand by the hole of the door and my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open to my beloved and my hands dropped with myrrh and with my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock where he had touched it. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Now, whose fault was it that the beloved left? It was her fault. He calls, and she says, I'm already in bed. I've, I've got my, my night clothes on. I've already washed my feet. I don't want to get up and soil them. And so she ended up getting up, and the beloved was gone. Now, I'm sure all of us are keenly aware of this taking place with us from time to time. A hardening. A hardening of heart. And when you're like that, you cannot stand it. Being hard-hearted, being lukewarm, whatever you want to call it, is miserable to a believer. And they want restored fellowship, and they know that they can't just make it happen. And that's why we cry, turn me. Turn me. I can't turn myself. Turn me. Turn us again. Three times in this psalm. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we'll be saved. Look in Psalm 85 for just a moment. Verse 6, the psalmist says, Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Now, we've heard in the papers a lot about revival <laughs> last couple of weeks. I know you've heard it about whatever's supposed to be going on at Asbury. And as a matter of fact, there's supposed to be a revival in Rupp Arena today. It's going to last between 2 and 11. And, like, you can bring something like that down. Uh, that... The, the gospel's never involved in that. It's just some kind of, I don't believe there's any reality to any. I know there's not. But there is such a thing as a believer saying, revive me. Revive me. 
Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Turn to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. Beginning in verse 18. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. Thus, thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised. As a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke, you've brought trial in my life. It hadn't done me any good. It hadn't changed me. I'm just as bad as I ever was. That's what he's saying. And now look what he says. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned. For thou art the Lord my God. I hope every one of us are praying that right now. Turn me, and I will be turned. Surely after that I was turned, (laughs) I repented. Not before then. After he turned me, I repented. And after that I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Turn me. That's what the psalmist is asking. Turn me. And I shall be turned. Now let's go back to Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. I want to say that right now, don't you? Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. The Lord is my shepherd. Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubim, shine forth. Now, I love the fact that he dwells between cherubims. That's the mercy seat. The lid of propitiation. I'm so thankful that the Lord has propitiated himself through the blood of his son to make a way for him to show me his favor. He's the one who dwells between the cherubims. Shine forth, verse 2, before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up thy strength and come and save us. Now, This is a prayer that I pray pretty much every day. Save me. Save me from yourself. I've sinned against him. I need to be saved from him. Save me from my sins. Save me from my circumstances. How many times have you done something that, oh, I wish I hadn't said something. I wish I hadn't said that. And you think of the, the consequences that may come from it. You say, Lord, save me from that. Don't let it happen. Save me. Stir up your strength and come and save me. And then he says for the first time, turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Now, I won't be saved without turning. You won't be saved without turning. There's no salvation apart from turning. You know what? I know that I won't turn unless he turns me. 
And I'm not apathetic about it. I'm not indifferent about it. I don't say, well, can't turn unless he turns me, so go on laissez-faire business. No, turn me. Turn me, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine in, in favor, and I shall be saved. Verse 4, O Lord God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? Now, what he's saying when he makes that statement is this is all my fault that, I've, that I'm like this. And I can see why my prayer wouldn't get any further than the ceiling. And that's how he felt, really. He felt at this time, I'm not having communion with God. My prayers aren't being heard. That's the way he felt. And he says, how long will you be angry against the prayers of your people? Now, here's what is glorious. Through the intercession of Christ, my prayers are always heard and accepted, whether I feel it or not. But as far as the way I feel, this is the way the psalmist felt. My prayer is not getting past the ceiling. How long will you be angry with the prayers of your people? Now, what he's saying by this is this, this need of being turned, I've got myself into this mess. It's all my fault. My sin is all my fault. And here's how I feel, verse 5. Thou feedest them with the bread of tears and givest them tears to drink in great measure. Now, when, when we feel like this, we're not apathetic about it. We're not indifferent about it. Tears in great measure. If they don't come out of the eyes, they're coming from the heart. Tears in great measure. We don't want to have anything but his face shining upon us. Verse 6, thou makest the strife unto our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. I think that is a, um, interesting how he acknowledges the hand of God in all things. Thou makest us a strife because of our sin, because of our wherever we're at. Thou makest us a strife unto our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. So these are the people of God. So he repeats his prayer in verse 7, turn us. Again, O God of hosts, cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. No, we might be saved. We shall be saved if he turns me. And like the um, Jeremiah said, turn me and I'll be turned. If he turns me and causes his face to shine, I'll be saved. Lord, turn me again. How many times does the Lord have to turn you? Well, every time you're turned, it's because he turned you. And this is what you want, to be turned toward him. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine. Uh, God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Now he talks about Israel's history, which is his history. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. I mean, talking about discriminating 
of mercy and grace, he cast out the heathen out of the land of Canaan to place his own people there. You can't get away from sovereign, distinguishing, discriminating grace in the gospel. It's there. He cast out the heathen and planted them. Verse 9, thou preparest. Room is uh, in italics. Everything he does is grace beforehand. Prepared grace. His preparation. I go and prepare a place for you. He's always out in front. Thou preparest room before it and didst cause it. Aren't you thankful for causing grace? Thou didst cause it to take deep root. Every plant that my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be cast off, but you caused it to take deep root. Once again, salvation is of the Lord. His causing grace that causes this deep root. And it filled the land. The hills were covered with the shadow of it. And the bows there, uh, boughs thereof were like the goodly cedars. The strength. She sent out her boughs unto the sea. And her branches unto the river. This is talking about the growth in grace. The, the blessing of God upon the church. And then the psalmist asked this question. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges, her walls of protection, so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her. Now, this is an interesting verse. If my walls are broken down, it's my fault. And the psalmist says, why have you broken them down? Both of those things are true, aren't they? If my walls are broken down, it's my fault. But yet the psalmist always acknowledges the Lord as the first cause in all things. And one of the things that we pray when we, we are taught to pray, lead us not into temptation. That should be with us every single day. What we're saying is build a hedge about us. Build a wall about us. Cause us to be surrounded. We don't even want to face temptation. We don't want to be tempted. Put a wall around us. Because if we don't have the wall of your grace, we know what's going to happen. And now he says that wall has been broken down. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges so that all they which do pass by the way do pluck her? Here's how bad things have become. The boar out of the wood doth waste it. And the wild beast of the field doth devour it. We're helpless prey before our enemies, before our temptations and sins. Oh, return, verse 14, here it is again. Return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and behold and visit this vine. Lord, look down from heaven and behold me. I need a divine visitation. That is the cry of every believer. I need you to look down from heaven upon me. I need you to come and visit me. Verse 15. Come and visit this vine in the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted. 
and the branch that thou hast made strong for thyself. This is an acknowledgement of his grace. You're the one that planted me. You're the one that has done everything for me. But here's where I'm at, verse 16. This vine, it's burned with fire. It's cut down. What a revelation of himself. I'm burned with fire. I'm cut down. They perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Now, I love this. When the psalmist is brought to this view of himself, he's cut down, he's burned with fire. He perishes at the rebuke of thy countenance. What does he pray? Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the son of man whom thou madest strong for thyself. Now, who's the man of his right hand? You know the answer to that. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There isn't anything else to, Lord, look to Christ. Let your hand be upon the man of thy right hand, the man you made strong for yourself. You see, he gave Christ, he made him strong for himself that he could be just and justify me and you. That is his salvation. And all the psalmist has to plead is Christ. Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me be found in him. Let me be seen in him. That's all, that's all I desire is that I might be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm found outside of him, the man of thy right hand, there's no hope for me. I need to be found in him. Now, when there is a reviving going on, this becomes uppermost in our hearts and minds. I want to be found in Christ. That's so important. to I, It's everything. I need to be found in Christ, in the man of thy right hand. Don't look at me. Look at the one whom you made strong for yourself. The one that you can accept me through him and for his sake. Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the son of man. What is the title the Lord gave it to himself more than any other title? The son of man. By far. By far. The son of man. You know, the Lord loves men. He, he became man. And he identifies with men. And this is our only hope. Uh, let thy hand be upon the Son of Man, whom thou madest strong for thyself. So will not we go back from thee. Here's how we will not go back from thee. When you put your hand upon the man of thy right hand and view us in him. We're not going to go back. You're not going to let us. Quicken us. Give us life and we'll call upon thy name. Now what is the evidence that the Lord has quickened me? I call upon his name. There's the evidence. Whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's what's going on in this psalm when he's saying, turn us again, O Lord, cause thy face to be shined. That's the same thing as calling on the name of the Lord. I'm calling on the name of the Lord to save me. I'm saying, Lord, save me as an act of your sovereign will. Save me by your glorious justice in a way that honors your justice. Save me by your wisdom when you've been so infinitely wise to make a way to be just and justify the ungodly. You're calling on all of his attributes. Save me by your holiness. Save me by your grace. Save me by your mercy. Save me by your love. This is what happens when the Lord quickens me. I call on his name. That's the evidence. Somebody says, well, uh, the evidence is having more joy in your life. Well, we ought to have more joy in our life. But if that's what you're looking for, you're not going to have it. You call on his name, you'll have joy. You try to have joy and I try, try to have peace and try to... The opposite will take place. You call upon his name. That is his quickening. And then he repeats for the third time. Turn us again. O Lord God of hosts. Now, the first time... In verse 3, he said, turn us again, O God. And the second time, he said in verse 7, turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Or, I mean, O God of hosts. And the last time, he says, turn us again, O Lord Jehovah, God of hosts. First God, then the God of hosts. This is a plea of the resurrection, really. Remember how Psalm 24, the resurrection psalm, who is this king that comes in to the gates? The Lord of hosts has something to do with the resurrection. Jehovah, his name is Savior. Turn us again, O Jehovah, God of hosts, and we shall be saved. If the Lord turns me, you know what? I shall be saved. And so I do not say, well, if the Lord turns me, I can't turn unless he turns me. Uh, No. I say, turn me. Turn me. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, and we shall be saved. May that be the prayer of every one of us.